with. Um, But the main thing is just to kind of remember, like, it's super conversational. So there's not a lot of editing because it really is like you and I are sitting at Starbucks, like, before and just kind of going back and forth. So um, the questions are going to kind of be a framework, but based on your answers, I might throw some different questions at you. So um, the main thing is just to kind of remember the audience are women leaders. They're not necessarily trained. Um, You know, like, I mean, it's a mod podge of entity leaders, women's ministers, all of that. So it's very, like, broad. Um, but what is exciting, we've had other authors on, but none that have really spoken from the viewpoint of like being a writer. And so you're going to be the first one in that regard. So we'll kind of talk a little bit about that and then we'll move into kind of prepping and promoing your book. And so at the end I'll say, all right, how do we get a hold of this? Um, where do you want to direct them? You know, that kind of thing. So you can kind of give a blurb and all of that. And then um, I'll make to put sure to put in the show notes, like all of those links and everything as well. So, okay. All right. Okay. That sounds great. You have any questions or like anything? No, the, um, so I'm talking primarily from the vantage point of like ministry as a writer. Right. right. Yeah. And really just kind of your story too. Like how did you end up um, like writing for the gospel coalition, you know, and you can totally like hone in on teaching too, if you want, but um, we just haven't ever had like an author writer, um, like somebody that's kind of tackling current issues, that kind of thing. So, um, but you're more than welcome to speak on whatever you want, like whatever um, it's more just kind of sharing your story and then also encouraging women that maybe have similar pieces to that story in them and how to develop that. Okay, that's great. I can do that. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Well, if you don't have any questions, then I think we'll get started. Okay. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of At the Table. It's Jackie King, your host, and I am so excited that you're joining us again for another conversation of women in ministry in the SBC. I get to introduce you to a real-life friend today, and I'm so excited to share her story and her new book that has launched, and so I get to introduce you to my friend Courtney. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We are right in the middle of trying to crunch everything for the holidays and Christmas and Christmas parties and like our small windows that we don't have our kids. So, (laughs) which is is about to get really smaller because Christmas break is coming. Right. Yes. So we are so excited to be able to record this together um, before all of the crazy and holidays happen. So, Courtney, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All of the fun get to know yous. You're here in Arkansas with me. which I love. So why don't you tell yes. us a little bit just about how did you land in Arkansas, your family, all of those good things. Yeah. So we're, I, we were joking before we started recording. We should have recorded this in person because we're so close. But <laughs> yes. we, um, but again, we talked about how it's the end of the school year. So it's crazy. So it's nuts. Um, but uh, yeah, I've lived in Ark- in Little Rock for um, a little over eight years, about eight and a half years. We, when my husband graduated from Southern Seminary in Louisville, we moved here uh, to help plant a church. And so we met a a couple um, in seminary. We moved here um, to help plant a church that we were a part of for eight years. And then in, at the end of August, um, we transitioned out of that church and are are at um, a new church um, here, um, just attending, serving in Lake Capacity. So, um, but we originally got to Little Rock because of a church plant. So, so yeah, where are you originally from? from? I'm from Dallas. 
Dallas, yes. We actually are from very close to where um, I grew up and where we were, but we totally missed each other because Dallas is so huge. So, yeah. So, none of my family, my parents do not live there any longer, but Mm -hmm. I did grow up there. So, very Um, good. And then you actually were a student at Southern as well. So, tell me a little bit about that. What led you to seminary? So I was, I graduated from college and had been um, serving in ministry and then had been asked to um, to join the women's leadership team at the church I was at. And at that time, met some people from Southern and was like, they're like, you should come to Southern. And I didn't think women went to seminary because I didn't know any women who went to seminary um, back like 10, 12 years, about 13 years ago. And... I figured if I was going to go to seminary, it might as well be when I was single. So I went to seminary and met Daniel, and then we got married, and then we couldn't afford for both of us to to go to school. So I did not finish, and then he graduated, but then I re-enrolled in the fall of this year. So I am a student as well, like you. Yes, doing all of the things. I am, yeah. So I'm enjoying it a lot. I feel like I have a lot more appreciation for it now. Um, that I'm just in a different stage of life and I've lived mm-hmm. a little longer and served in ministry a little longer. And I imagine if I go back 10 years from now, I'll probably have a lot more to learn as well. So yeah, yeah, I, I hope really so. Um, I know even like I went into Bible school thinking that I kind of knew things, but that I needed to learn a lot. And then now going into seminary, I'm like, man, I really need to learn a lot. Like oh, I know nothing, even yeah. with all of the years of experience right. in ministry. Right. <laughs> it's funny. So, I feel like that it's like that with parenting. So mm-hmm. like with parenting, you're like, before you have kids, you're like, I know all about this parenting business. Yeah. And then yeah. you have them and you're like, I don't know anything about parenting. Right. So. Can we, we say, say I'm at least going to say it. I feel like seminary is easier than parenting. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. <laughs> okay. So yeah. speaking of, tell me about your boys. How old are your boys? They're six, six, four, and two. So I have twins. Yes, got twins, so, and yeah. so lots of busy, a mom, yeah. a wife, a minister, and then one of the things that I'm really excited to highlight is that you are a freelance writer and teacher, and so tell us a little bit about, um, one, who do you write for, like what does that look like, and then really even how did that gifting really kind of spark in your life, like how did you see God developing that and opening doors, like how did you get where you are today? I would... Probably say so. I've written for a number of publications, um, the Gospel Coalition and um, Christianity Today, and I, I guess I can say now I've written for the Washington Post twice, and so now I, I know. Super proud Washington of you for Post. that. <laughs> so I wrote for them uh, about a year ago, and then um, wrote for them just recently again. So I guess I can say now that I have that I write for them as well. But um, so I've just written for a number of Christian publications, but I started writing. I mean, I've probably written for as long as I can remember. So I don't, I would probably say writing has just always been kind of what I, it's just part of me, like words, English, all that kind of stuff in school was just something I was naturally drawn to. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't become a Christian until about halfway through college. But even when I started college, I was kind of on the trajectory of being a writer to begin with, like journalism and, and things like that. And so when God saved me, in many ways, that was one of the things that he took and transformed that the the writing that I wanted to do prior to to getting saved then became redeemed by Christ. And then I wanted to write only about things that pertain to my salvation and Mm. and growth in the Lord. And so that's, I can't remember a time where I didn't want to be a writer. So that's the, the teaching component is a newer thing where I like the teaching the Bible um, has been newer as an adult. 
but writing has just kind of been who I am for as long as I can remember. And then I got a bachelor's degree in English with a writing emphasis. And so even when I went to seminary, I wanted to teach the Bible to women, but I really wanted to write. Mm. And I really didn't know what that looked like, but I wanted mm-hmm. to write. And so I um, I just met a lot of people there, professors, um, people who were in leadership there who really encouraged that and, and gave me a lot of opportunities. And so I worked um, for Dr. Moore when I was uh, when he was the senior VP the provost there, and he really gave me opportunities. He he encouraged my writing. He supported my writing. He published my writing, and that kind of gave me some entryway into mm-hmm. other avenues to write more publicly. So I, I really see the support I got at seminary as giving me some of those opportunities because, honestly, like most people who write would say they just – someone gave them an opportunity. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just kind of what it is. Like someone opened a door for you and – you kind of walk through it. And so um, that's kind of where it started. And then I would write book reviews. I would just do a lot of low-level writing work so that I could just practice writing and get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when the twins were uh, four months old, I got um, asked, I got contacted by a literary agent, a friend of mine who was a writer, put me in contact with him. And that's kind of where my first book kind of took off and, and got some uh, people looking at that proposal. So, okay. And then here I am. <laughs> all right. So let's talk because we haven't at all unpacked like what it looks like to un- like write a book. Um, so for those of you that are listening, um, I would much rather just talk the words instead of write the words because I don't have to worry about spelling. Um, but there's a, a lot of you that I think um, it's kind of birth within or maybe this dream of like, I think I could write a book, you know, or a Bible study. I hear this all the time with women. I hear it a lot too. Yes, which I love. And I think that it's avenues are opening and I think more curriculum and more needed curriculum is out there with depth and substance. So how would you encourage those that are listening to like, what are some of those first steps? Do they just kind of wait for people to be able to open doors or what are ways that they're able to really kind of like hone those skills and even start developing them to where they are able to write for different avenues? Yeah. So when I started writing about 12, 13 years ago, blogging was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So it's not as big of a deal now as it was. And so I, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I have as much of a of insight into how to get into that world just because that's not the avenue. Like I started writing on my own. Like I created my own blog, my own website about 15 years ago, and I just started writing for practice. And then over time, I had this like collection of writing that I could then submit elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So... I, I mean, I still think it's a good and necessary practice, even though it's not as popular, like where you're not going to get as many hits or as many people noticing it. I think the discipline of practicing writing is vitally important for a yeah. writer. Yeah. So I think just even if no one ever reads it, practicing writing is really important. I think the one of the things I even have seen with writers now is like social media, is particularly with Instagram, where you can do some forms of like microblogging, where you can get bigger ideas in smaller chunks where you're getting maybe mm-hmm. not a full blog post, but you can get two, three paragraphs or things like that starting there. But one of the really nice things is that there's a lot of Christian publications that will accept pitches from people who are maybe not well known. So like the Gospel Coalition is pretty committed to publishing people who are new. Um, and so um, other websites are as well. And so finding those places, I know the ERLC will accept pitches from people who are new and 
because there's there's a benefit in practicing writing. There's also a great benefit in having an editor. Mm-hmm. And that's when people ask me my opinions on self-publishing versus publishing with a publisher, I often will say, if you can publish with a publisher, I would choose that every single time because you are going to get another set of eyes looking at it, multiple sets of eyes looking at it. Yeah. And that's so important because your audience is not you. Your audience is vast and and you want to be able to speak broadly and clearly. And it makes a lot of sense in your own head, but maybe not as much sense yeah. when it's in front of a bunch of people. So I would start with whether it's like through microblogging or even your, starting your own website just for the sheer practice of it, trying to pitch to places that will accept um, new authors. And mm-hmm. then I think, too, going to like – if you can get to conferences or um, like – or even get to the SBC or things like that where you can just connect with people who are in that world, they're mm-hmm. really willing to talk to people and who, who want to kind of pitch – ideas and things like that. So I think there's a lot more opportunity in just getting to the rooms where people are of just making those connections. So yeah, yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, Some of the other things I'm thinking is like, I'm wondering if they can approach different people in their church, you know, like, what does it look like for, um, you know, like a devotional to be written or Mm -hmm. help with the website, you know, or even socials and like writing some of those descriptors and those kind of things. Um, And so I'm just trying to think of like other smaller ways to where um, even like writing a Bible study, you know, like if that's something, that's something that you should be doing within your own local church first, you know, like how are you taking women in your living room or women, um, you know, on a Wednesday night, like kind of through a study. And I love how you encourage them to get more eyes on it because, you know, obviously, um, like we probably think whatever we have is what everybody needs, you know, like this is how God is working in our lives and that kind of thing. And so it's always good to have those extra eyes and perspectives to make it even better um, because we're totally sure that, yes, the world needs what you have. Um, but why not make it better? And why not use it within your own local context before really maybe trying to go for the big dream and, and publishing thing? What do you think? No, I, I completely agree. When I hadn't even thought about that because up until recently, we were in a really small church context and didn't have a whole lot of avenues for publishing much of anything because we just didn't have anything going out to people. Uh, but one of the things that I did do was I public I did the prayer newsletter. So, oh, nice! Um, and I, I I largely started doing it because I really wanted. I felt like I was in a season of life where I wasn't able to talk to anybody because my kids were my twins were really tiny, and so I thought, well, this is how I know what's going on in everyone's lives. They're going to send me their prayer requests that I can put in the prayer newsletter. <laughs> and so then I was I felt like I was able to connect with people in a way that I wasn't able to do on a Sunday morning. But I, like I was that. able to cohesively put these things together in a way that helped people ask for prayer. And they were like, I don't know how to say it. But maybe you can say it. Mm. And so even that was using the gift of writing for the good of my local congregation. So I liked how you how you brought that up. I think sometimes we don't even realize that that's using that gift. Yeah, um, definitely. Because we're, we only think in terms of maybe a book or an article or things like that. But if you're in a larger church where there's just a lot of publication going out, you, there's very likely your pastor or the people in your church who are doing those things are always looking for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So offering to do some of that stuff would probably be really helpful to them. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, and Lord knows the Baptist prayer list. I mean, that thing can get pretty juicy and pretty interesting or <laughs> repetitive. And so there's a lot of tweaking and editing. And how do you say the same thing differently? Um, I love that example of how you ended up doing that as a ministry and even just a way to connect with other people. So very, very cool. Okay, so so let's let's talk talk about your new book because I I want want to to unpack. I think this is something that is not talked about. Um, And so recently um, I got on the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship kick. Um, I don't know how many of y'all, I know I've chatted with several others that are listening um, and mentioning it before. And so that has been a part of my context as well as counseling. And so I feel like all I'm talking about lately is emotions because it hasn't been talked about. And that is exactly what your new book is about. So tell me a little bit about your new book. Where did it come from? What's it's titled? And then let's kind of unpack some of this not talked about topic. Yeah, so it's um, called Teach Me to Feel, uh, Worshiping Through the Psalms in Every Season of Life. And it's funny because it, I think often women joke about their feelings and their emotions, but they don't actually hash them out and, and get to the root of them or get to how to think biblically about them or to... Either you might suppress them or not want to deal with them, depending on your personality, or you might give like full vent to them and never actually think about how the Bible can shape them. Mm, and so mm-hmm. for me, the book was born out of uh, I w- a season of our lives where I had a really complicated pregnancy and had a life-threatening emergency with my fourth son. And when I was in the hospital, I couldn't focus. I, c- I couldn't read anything. I just couldn't focus while we were waiting for him to be born. It was about a three-week process, uh, about, well, about a month-long process, and all I could read was the Psalms. And in the Psalms, I was given language for the fear and the anxiety and, in, in many ways, the grief over what it was doing to our lives. Uh, I had language for all of those things, and I had a way mm-hmm. to pray and a way to express how I felt back to God. And then I dealt with really severe postpartum depression um, and probably some effects of PTSD from what happened. Uh, and in the Psalms, I just, I just, I felt understood. I was, I just yeah. really felt like I had some familiar friends who understood what it meant to walk through dark valleys and um, to feel like darkness was all around them. But then I also, in the Psalms, found familiar friends with extreme joy and extreme peace and. Uh, Thanksgiving over deliverance and things like that. And so it just really led me on this journey to see how the Psalms shape how we feel um, and ultimately give us language for expressing how we feel back to God. And it's so comforting, I think, for the believer because what we see, we if you believe the Bible is sufficient and true and, and you value the Bible, then what's comforting is knowing that God has has given us so many different ways to meet his people through his word mm-hmm. and he's left no stone unturned in how he ministers to his people through his word yeah. and one of those ways is through how we feel and then how he shapes our feelings and in, in the joy and also in the pain yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so I want to preface this. Courtney, you nor I are a counselor or a psychiatrist no. <laughs> or any of those things. So I'm sure many of you that are listening are like, yeah, um, I could totally um, bring so much to this conversation. And we appreciate that. But we are talking just as normal women, um, students of the word. And so 
I think that it has been so interesting um, because even if you go back to how God has made us and in His image and in His intricacies of how He has put us and fashioned us together, we are not only spiritual beings and physical beings, but He makes us with emotions. And that tends to be the very thing that we do not talk at all about. And then we wonder um, when things hit us like crisis, you know, in a pregnancy or loss and grief and all of these things, if we're just only talking about the spiritual without it being coupled with our emotional health, right? Um, we wonder why there is like a gap. And um, I think one of the things even that I've talked with my counselor about of how, you know, I think even in in church, we have made it to where emotions are the enemy, right, of what we're reading in Scripture. And so our emotions lie to us, our feelings lie to us. I know that that has been said to us, and that could be true, right? So I want to talk a little bit about, especially as you wrote the book and even just within your own life experience, I think those two have to be held in tension together and not opposing one another. So how would you really, like, kind of bring that to light? Like, how do you hold that tension well to where you're making sure that they're balanced and one? isn't over the other right so i think that, and that's an incredible danger i think for especially christians who really hold to the bible being near and true mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me the um and i remember my um my OBGYN is a believer and i was talking with him prior to him he referred me to, to counseling and it was prior to that he had me come back in after my six-week checkup come back in again four weeks later because he was like she's not okay we need to see her again like she's not emotionally okay hmm. and um I said he said you know there's people kind of fall into spectrums and are in the Christian world they're either it's all spiritual or it's all physical and he said I kind of fall in the middle and and I remember telling him I I knew like I knew all the theological answers and the spiritual answers for why I was struggling and I, but I, I couldn't, I could not, I couldn't make myself, you know, feel differently or feel Mm -hmm. better or remove the darkness or, um, and so I think sometimes we need to hold in tension, the reality of that we live in broken bodies Mm -hmm. um, and that sometimes our brains and our hormones and the way our body responds to the trauma of life is just going to utterly fail us. Yeah. And that for me, I think was probably the more shocking thing that happened and the more, um, the thing that took more time to kind of unpack and, and wrestle with. But I, I think sometimes we, we want a simple fix and the spiritual answer is a simple fix. And sometimes there's just not simple answers for Mm -hmm. the fluctuations of our emotions and how we, how we deal with and respond to just the reality of living in a broken world and in a broken body. Um, and so I think sometimes we, when you think of too, like your brain is an organ and your brain is doing a whole lot of things to make your, just your body function. And for some reason, our emotional response, which is a part of our brain is one of the few things that we dismiss as only spiritual when our brain does other things with our bodies. And we don't say, well, there's only a spiritual component to that. Mm, um, yeah. we would never say that to someone with diabetes. Right. 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 Say, but we, but we say that to someone who has like an emotional breakdown over the difficulties of life. So mm-hmm. I think there's just a lot of nuance to it that, um, that we don't like because we don't like living in tension and not always right. having an answer for it. 
Right. And I think you hit on so many things there that I'm thinking of like the very things that I've told my counselor lately <laughs> and the very things that I think are having to be stripped away, even in the more that I dig into how God has made us and um, the vastness of who he is and how he um, he's just so big and how much we're wired in so many different ways and that they're all connected. Um, that for us to just sit and say, God, I want an, a simple fix to this, you know, or take it away is really not only immature of us, um, but even just kind of like dumbing down how God has made us. And so we've really left out a huge component of um, even in our conversation with how we talk about Jesus, you know, um, like one of the studies that I did was Jesus in the garden and Gethsemane and how he like felt deep grief and sorrow, you know, and we don't want to hit on that because that's hard. You know, we don't want the grief. We don't want the loss. Um, and so I know in my own leadership journey, I think I have been incredibly um, humbled and even just kind of like just eyes open to an entire element to my own being, my own spirituality and my own health and what leadership really brings out of me, you know, and, and these these conversations that I think we're not having, which makes me think that women are just kind of walking around um, very frustrated, very discouraged, um, and some maybe even in depression and those kind of things because we're not talking about it. So that's why I love your book. I love that you're hitting on something that is not necessarily talked about and that really has kind of been pointed at as almost the enemy of like, don't go to your emotions, go to the word. And those two things are held together. So tell me a little bit. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. You're good. And if you go, I mean, in the word, you get emotion. So in the Psalms, you get despair and depression. I mean, Psalm 88 ends with no resolution. There's no resolution. Mm -hmm. It's just darkness. And that's so hopeful for someone who's living in darkness Mm -hmm. is that there's no no quick fix. And the author of um, Psalm 88 is mentioned elsewhere in scripture as being a devout man. And that's incredibly hopeful for someone who is feels like they're checking all the boxes of being devout and they're still living in darkness. Mm, and it's in the good. Bible. It's, an, it's, yeah. it's not, there's, this is not, it's not a commentary on your spiritual health or your spiritual well-being. It's sometimes we just live in a broken world and we're all waiting for Jesus to come and make all things right. But until then, some of us are going to live in darkness and sometimes for a long time. Hmm. But sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, that's good. Okay, so I'm kind of curious, um, especially even now, like you're about to launch this thing into the universe, um, yes. which I know is a very vulnerable thing. Yes. Now that it's completed and you look back, mm-hmm. what are maybe one or two of like the hard truths that have really helped you and almost given you handles as you've moved forward that you're hoping other women will get from the book? Don't give it all away um, because we yeah. want to get our own copies sure, yeah. and, and there's so much to it. But I'm curious if there's like one or two things that like after writing the book and as you processed it and everything like these are two things that you have taken into your leadership and in your life that you've owned I think um, the first is that the kind of what I was alluding to with Psalm 88 is the tension of of being okay with the uncomfortableness of of not having an answer mm. and I think in counseling and in discipling and shepherding women um, or just even if a pastor is shepherding a congregation, you've got to be okay with that. Yeah. And and you've got to refrain from being like Job's friends and jumping in with an answer when the Bible doesn't necessarily give you an answer. It just kind of lets you live there. 
and and hold that tension and feel that the weight of that difficulty um I think has Mm -hmm. been an I have wanted people to do that for me and I've also been convicted that I've not always been that for others and so I want to do that well um and so that's been something I've wanted I've been praying for and asking God to help me do well when I feel uncomfortable with how someone's life is unfolding before me and I don't really know how to answer Um, Mm -hmm. I want to hold that tension well um and then the second thing is that even when I feel like nobody else around me knows me or gets me or um, or hears and understands the reality of what's going on in my life, whatever that might be, that the Psalms remind me that, that God does hear and yeah. that God is not far off. He is He's a very present help in trouble. And so that whether it's betrayal or envy or depression or anxiety or whatever um that God is near and that's been something I've had to go back to over and over again Hmm. that's so good man there is a lot in that um I think the first thing that you said that I'm like shaking my head to is that you would sit in the tension Hmm. um I think I know at least for me my tendency is to fix Mm -hmm. um and so I don't want to feel the uncomfortableness or I don't want to sit in it long like I can logically acknowledge it but then okay let's move on and let's fix it and let's keep going um and I think all of us especially those of us in leadership like we know the heart is where God prunes us where God grows us where he shows that it is his glory and not our glory I mean all of those deep lessons I think are learned in the despair and in the dark um, and really, honestly, if we're being very frank, like that's what he wants to teach us so that we can lead others. Um, and so I hope that if you're listening today and like you're in this space of like, I don't know how to talk about my emotions and I know like I'm discouraged or things aren't okay, or I have this deep grief. And I mean, this brings up so much, I think in leadership of just betrayal and hurt and loss and what ministry does, you know, to a soul and to a heart. And there's so many times that I'm talking with women that are leaders or I'm talking to the women that I'm leading and that's what they're struggling with. And they don't have tools. They don't have handles on how to sit in that because their leaders can't give something away that they haven't done. And so I think the challenge for us, especially within this audience, is that you're not expected to fix it and that it's okay to sit in it and that God has something for you as you sit and hold and wrestle with the Lord and what he has for you. So I thought that that was really good. Um, And then I think even just your constant encouragement of he's there and go to the Lord. Um, You know, I think that we shove it and then we try to maybe, um, at least for me, like busy things up um, to where it's really easy to be busy in ministry and not with the Lord and being with the Lord. Um, And so I love that in your frustration and in your hurt and in your pain, you dove to the Psalms, you know? And so I think there's a beautiful example in that as well, that we may not have answers, but we at least know like the word is going to sustain and right. change and work and move. Right. So good. So, okay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about like, how do we get the book? Um, and then it's launching January 1. So it has already launched by the time this has aired. And so where do they go to get their copy and to join the conversation? Um, they can go to Amazon. And buy it there. They can go to thegoodbookcompany.com and buy it there. Um, that Amazon uh, is great. And if they like the book, a review always helps. The book helps yes. people find it. And so um, if they like it, um, please review it on Amazon. And then um, you can follow me on social media and 
continue the conversation there. Yes, I will definitely make sure to um, put all of your connection points in the show notes and everything. And um, before we wrap up, um, there are so many giftings and talents in you, Courtney. Like I love just watching God move in and through you as a writer, as a mom, as a teacher. Um, I know you're coming up on teaching for the TGC. Is that who it's through? Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, there's just so much that I think the Lord is opening for you. So I know you have a lot to share just in wisdom and for other women leaders. So how would you encourage those, maybe even those that are in a season of discouragement and grief and loss? Um, what would be your encouragement before we close out? Um, well, I um, feel like I'm always learning. And so <laughs> I, uh, I often feel like the Lord is using me from a place of weakness. So I think um, mm. I'm as much as I really don't like being in that place. I think it's it's so beneficial because I know God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And one of the primary mm-hmm. ways he, 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 uh, humbles us is through making us weak. And so, but the, the verse, I think that I just keep, have kept coming back to this last year and this last six months is, um, from Romans 12, where so far as it depends on you live, live peaceably with all. Um, and so while I am not in control of other people's responses to me or other people's, um, how they live in ministry, I am responsible for my own response. And yeah. so I want to um, live peaceably with all, whether I agree with them or not, whether they come from my tribe or my camp or not, I want to live peaceably with all so that Christ would be made much of. And so uh, the ministry of the gospel would be, um, would go forward and would not be hindered by, by my sinful response to whatever might be coming at me. And so mm-hmm. that has been kind of the thing that's been really at the forefront of mine and my husband's mind in the last year is mm-hmm. doing all that we can to live peaceably um, with those that we minister among and with so that um, so that we can maintain the unity of the body for the good of um, the church and for the good of God's glory. I love that. And what a good encouragement. It's it's so hard. And I think even knowing you and like how you're not just ministering within an SBC context, you know, like you have a very um, broad scope for denominations and who you minister to. And so I think that encouragement comes even more weighted. um, It's not like we're fighting for the SBC, you know, we're fighting for the kingdom. Um, And then I love even what you threw in there about God working in our weakness, you know, and there's always that temptation that we become stronger, better, um, you know, more successful, those kind of things. And so I think it's such a great reminder, like we're human and we're broken and there are going to be broken parts of our leadership. There's going to be broken parts that happen to us because of how like leadership takes on a lot of the broken, right? Um, And so I think just staying humble and being able to be reminded that God is with us, God has called us, and this is a journey that we get to ultimately lift him up and make much of him. And so um, I just, I love that sweet encouragement that is so so you. So, <laughs> well, Courtney, I appreciate you so much spending some time with us today and sharing your story and sharing a little bit about your new book. So everybody make sure that you grab a copy of Teach Me to Fill, and I'll make sure to put links and everything um, to purchase it and to connect with Courtney in the show notes. So Courtney, thank you again so much for joining. Thanks for having me. And I hope you guys will join us next week for another episode of At the Table. Y'all have a great week. All right. Nice.